Thank you, choir. Let's stand.
searching for light in the dark. Know that he's never left your side. Know he's never left your side. God is there when the mountains won't move and the seas won't part. And your For that in the spirit you sang it in. Amen. Let's uh, get to 2 Kings chapter 5. A special welcome today to a new visitor here. Reese Counterman is here today. And Andrea, good to see her and the baby in services today. That's a blessing. 2 Kings chapter 5. I preached on this man not very long ago, last year, toward the end of the year, and the Lord directed me to talk a little bit more about him. Sometimes I wonder about those things when the Lord directs me and shows me something and brings me back, but obviously there's some things we didn't get the first time and some points that he wants us to focus on today. It's a man named Naaman, and we're talking about this song, Things People Are Going Through. Uh, this man was going through a, a deep, deep, uh, hard time, but he didn't know the Lord. And I just want to say to you, saying, listen, you goes through, we go through hard things, but thank God we go with the Lord. Amen. So many people don't have that privilege. And no matter what you go through, he never forsake you. He's always with you through those trials and troubles. So keep that in mind today. And there may be someone here today going through something in their life and <laughs> You don't know the Lord. Well, I pray today that you'd give your heart to Jesus because he loves you and he wants to reach out to you. And sometimes the Lord does so by bringing certain things into our life to get our attention that we need him. We all need him. But if you're here unsaved, you really need him today. The so 2 Kings chapter 5, we'll just read the first six verses. It should be a very familiar text to us. 2 Kings chapter, chapter 5, verse 1. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captives out of the land of Israel, a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said 
the maid uh, that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, well, this is something that a little maid has, has importance to a king. And he says, go to, uh, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 pieces of gold, and 10 changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman, my servant, to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this text. It's so rich, so full. And Lord, I pray that you direct our thoughts today to each point that uh, is needful in all of our lives. Lord, people have come here today to worship you and to get something from your word. Many of them are facing dark days, uh, difficult days. And I pray that this message would help them. Lord, help us to be as the little maid, your witnesses, wherever we go. Speak to our hearts. Be with the deaf church today. Be with the children today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, here, Elisha, Elijah, the senior prophet, uh, he's gone up into heaven and the young prophet, uh, the assistant prophet, Elisha, has, uh, has taken over his ministry. And we know from Scripture that he was given a double portion of the spirit of the uh, prophet Elijah because he desired it. I'm going to ask you a question today. Do you desire God to bless you in spiritual ways? Do you have on your heart a desire today for God to really bless you? Uh, seek him. Ask him. And uh, you know what? God may give you the desire of your heart. Lots of times the desire of our heart are physical things, uh, monetary things, material things. But well, I'll tell you what, we need, to, we need to realize that we need spiritual blessings more and we need all of that. Well, anyway, here's Elijah and the Spirit of God is upon his life and his ministry. Elijah, the prophet, he performed a lot of great noble miracles. But because of the, the request of Elisha, the younger prophet, he was given twice as many miracles to perform for the glory of God. And here's one of the most noble or notable, I guess, of, of uh, miracles, the healing of this mighty soldier, Naaman of Syria. Now, again, the Bible says that God caused the goodness, the rain to fall on the, on the just, the righteous and the unrighteous, the good and the just. God causes blessings in each one's life. Again, I don't know. There may be someone here today that you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior. I want you to know God loves you, and he wants you to come unto him. He wants you to believe on his son, and he has been good to you. Amen. Uh, saints of God, God has been good to you. No matter what you're going through, God has certainly been good to you. And uh, the Lord wants to bless your life. Now, here's this man Naaman. He doesn't know God. He's a heathen pretty much. And uh, he has a deadly disease. It's only a matter of time for this illness to take his life. A matter of one of the characteristics of leprosy is it, it took time, but it did its job. People would die from it eventually through the respiratory system. Their lungs would be filled up with nodules and, and they would actually suffocate. But sometimes it took up to 20 years before people died of leprosy. And, and all the while it was painful and it attacked the nervous system and it, it had... A, it had all these maladies. Of course, it was a, um, a curse, if you would, to be a leper. You could not be around your family, your friends. You, you lost your livelihood. You lost your home, uh, lost loved ones because uh, you were 
uh, put aside from society. A terrible way to be sick, a terrible way to die. But here, this man Naaman, he's going to be healed here in our story. And I want us to take a look at certain points of it and make some spiritual application. First thing I want you to notice about this man Naaman, that he was a great man among men. A great man among men. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. Uh, we just read, it says this. It says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, and notice, an honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria, but he was also a mighty man in valor. Now notice the Bible says the Lord gave him that victory. The Lord gave him that victory. Think of the time before you were a Christian, how many blessings God brought in your life and you didn't even know. Hey, we serve a great God. God has set things up in our lives to bring him unto, uh, us unto himself. And God has preserved us in many ways to make us profitable for the gospel and the cause of Christ, even before we knew the Lord. But then since we've known the Lord, all the abundant blessings he's brought into our life. But this man was a mighty man. God had blessed his life. He was a man of achievement. You know, a lot of people live their lives here on the earth without much, of achie much achievement of any significance. Uh, a lot of people... Uh, don't accomplish much, sometimes what we would call notable or significant of importance. But then there's some people that rise above the average. And uh, they're gifted of God, even though they might not know the Lord. And they end up making a name for themselves. Sometimes their name's a household name. And they never intended to be such a person. It's just the goodness of God. Now here's Naaman, he's a man that was such a man. His name is an unusual name, Naaman. It means pleasantness. Now, if you think about a mighty soldier, a mighty warrior, a man of honor and valor, respected by his troops and those that were subordinate to him, they probably didn't think about him being a pleasant man, I would say, in that time. But it means pleasantness. And that got me thinking, when we often think about men as their men, but there was a day that that man was a little baby, and the parents were choosing names. And they chose a name for him that means pleasant, strange for a soldier. But his parents gave him that because he was pleasant unto them or brought joy into their life. It could have been that was the desire that they wanted their son to be to other people. And he grows up and he becomes a mighty and valiant warrior. He's the chief and commander of the Syrian army. And he becomes a man of acclaim. He becomes a man of of notice, of acknowledgement, highly decorated, respected among his peers for his feats, for his accomplishments. I'm going to make, uh, I had a long statement. I decided I need to cut this, but I didn't know. That's my statement. Recently, I went to New Mexico to see Stephen and Barb and the kids about three weeks ago. They put us in their bedroom. They gave us the nice room, you know. And in that room were all kinds of awards and things that my son had gained. And I'm talking like a proud daddy here, so I won't go into detail. I was amazed at the different awards and recognitions given to him. I had no idea. I really didn't. And I really want to go through the list, but I won't. I won't do that to you. Uh, but I'm proud of his accomplishments and what he's done in his military career. And you know, it really takes another military person to recognize some of these things and understand what it took to get those. But you know, 
I thought to myself as I left, my son was a bigger man than I knew. You know, Naaman was that kind of a guy. He was a bigger man than everybody knew. The most important thing, he was big in the eyes of God because God cared about him. God cared about what he was going through. God cared about his future. And God was working. Listen, I don't know what you're going through today, but you're pretty important to God. You know that? You may say, well, I'm not anybody of a claim. I haven't re- I, I've not been recognized for this. Oh, no, you, you're wrong. God has recognized you. He knows where you're at, what you're going through. He loves you. He wants to bless you. He wants to use you. He wants to help you. But you must acknowledge him. It's not that he hasn't acknowledged you. And the song said, sometimes we go through things in life and we think that no, the Lord doesn't see it or others. Listen, he does. He's a very aware God. And he's so powerful. And he wants to work in our lives. Naaman was such a man of regard and accomplishment. A man that was respected for his importance to so many lives. And we can learn a lot from him this morning. This mighty man of valor. One thing we know is that God cared about him and God loved him. And God went to great lengths to meet with him through his prophet. Second thing we see here this morning, the man Naaman had a very serious disease that had come upon him. We we see all these accolades about him, but it says this, but he was a leper. (laughs) That statement. Talk about all the things that he did and all that he was, and we could go on and on and on, but the point that the Holy Spirit wants us to see today, all that, but he was a leper. All the accolades, all the revere, all the regard, but he was a leper. Leprosy was such a dreaded and deadly disease in biblical days. Today it's called Hansen's disease. The long-term effects are to the nervous system, and it is somewhat curable today, or very manageable. And I I, I got a lot of information. It's fascinating uh, about it, and I won't go into that. But leprosy back then was deadly, and it was was dreaded. Um, And with that said, we ought to be so thankful for God's help to mankind today in all these diseases that at one time were incurable, and not manageable. We are so blessed as a society. We truly are. It's, it's amazing. God is so good. Let's not think about why has God allowed this and God allowed that and why did I get this or why did I get that. It's amazing to me why we don't have more. And God is so good. Even with people going through what they're going through. Listen, uh, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, people would not be making it. God is working, always working on our behalf. We serve a good God today. And I don't know, you may have a beef with God this morning. You may be upset about this and that. And sometimes, you know, people that aren't going through that, they don't understand it. But listen, God does. And just remember, he loves you. And he's working on your behalf. And he has already done so much for us as a people, as a society. Thank God for these advances, prominent diseases. Uh, I just mentioned many of them are... Cured, some of them are really manageable. Smallpox, polio, measles, yellow fever, malaria, typhoid, all this. And, you know, some of them, I was reading on this, are coming back, and it has a lot to do with uh, 
uh, not as many people inoculating for this or that. And I'm not getting into the politics of that or the truth of that. But just the fact that God is overseeing and God has done so much, so much for mankind and still is. But here's Naaman. He's, he's a man of importance. He's a leader. But he was a leper. Now leprosy, spiritually speaking, biblically speaking, is a picture and a type of sin. And the condition of all sinners. You know, whether you, us saved folks today, we know this. We've heard it for many, many years. But there may be somebody here that doesn't get this. We're all sinners. We all have the curse of sin upon our lives. And we need God. All mankind is infected with the, this human nature. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Listen now, outside of Jesus Christ and believing in Him, you're going to spend eternity without Him. Outside of Jesus Christ and receiving the gospel of Christ, no one is saved. No one end, ends up in heaven as they end this life. Outside of Jesus Christ. John 3, uh, 7 says, Marvel not that I say unto thee, Jesus said this, ye must be born again. No other way. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So Jesus is that only way to salvation, the only cure for the human condition, and that human condition is sin. Amen. And so Naaman shows us the human condition of mankind Spiritual leprosy. A man lost without Jesus Christ, saved for God's grace, saved for God's working in heart and life, they will live their life not even realizing they're on a road to hell. Thank God that he woke me up one day to my, to my sickness, my dreaded disease of sin. And there might be some here. You've maybe heard this your whole life. You've heard Romans 3.23 all your life, and it doesn't affect you. You need the Holy Spirit of God to wake you up to spiritual things, your spiritual condition before God. You're hopeless without Jesus Christ. You're helpless without the help of God. And that's where Naaman was. He couldn't do anything about his condition. Oh, he's a great man, a notable man, Wealthy, no doubt, but he couldn't do anything about his sin problem. Second, third thing we think is Naaman had a Hebrew believer in his Gentile house. <laughs> Second Kings chapter 5, verse two, uh, 2, listen about this girl. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought out captive of the land of Israel a little maid, a little insignificant little girl. And she waited on Naaman's wife. You know how you get, to the, you get to the husband, you go through the wife. Amen. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, Would God my Lord would uh, with the prophet that is in Syria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. This, this girl's pretty confident in her faith. She's pretty bold. She's a captive. But you know what I think? I think that God set her up. To be of service to him. Hey, do you realize today God puts you and I in certain places to be of service to him? You know why you work where you work? He's oh, I went in there and filled out an application. They thought I was wonderful and they hired me. They've kept me all these years because I'm important. If it wasn't for this place, it wouldn't run. You're there by the grace of God. 
You're there for purposes that you don't even think about. Sometimes you think you're at your workplace so you can make a good living and you could have a good retirement and you could have a 401k and you could have this. And hey, it's not about you. It's never about you. It's never about me. God puts you there for purposes. And you might not even know those purposes. But one of them is that you could be a witness to him. This little maid. This little captive little maid. And she must have been something for the wife of a captain to regard her. She must have been something for the husband of the wife of an important man for, her, for him to acknowledge her. She was bold. She was, uh, made an impact in that household. And I'll tell you something else about her. She had compassion. You got to understand, this man took her from her home, her land, her family. Now, maybe personally, he didn't drag her by her hand out of Israel into Syria, but he was commander, he was chief, he was in control. It was his word that brought these captives to the land of Syria to be, to be used as servants and what, whatever, the, whatever the king or the leadership would want. But we don't see any bitterness in her. We don't find any anger in her. That's not in here. She has a desire for him to be healed. She said, would God, he would meet the prophet. She had compassion. Maybe that's what drew Naaman's wife to her. She was a little girl of compassion. Probably obedient. A servant, not complaining. Whoa, think about us. I wonder, do our employees see us that way? Our fellow and fellow co-workers, that we might make an impact on their lives for the cause of Christ? Just a thought. But she was taken from her home, her family, and brought to Syria, and she served the household of a heathen man. What a testimony she was. She learned to trust Jehovah, her God, in her position and in her situation, and God used her in a mighty way. God took her and placed her in this home, this particular home, to be a witness to, to someone who was a somebody in a place she didn't probably ever think she would ever be and wanted to be. But she cared about his soul. She cared about his health. Would to God, my Lord, could meet the prophet. Because he would heal him from his... Well, she has faith, she has confidence... She has boldness. And so as soon as she heard that her master was stricken with this leprosy, she wanted to interact. She wanted to, to, to help. And so she did. Here's a man, a great man, a powerful man. And he's not too proud to listen to this little maid concerning her faith and her God. You know, sometimes we have our loved ones that get into physical problems. They get into life's issues and we pray that they get out of those but you know sometimes I think sometimes we pray against what God is for because God brings things into our loved one's lives because here's why he wants to reach them and we want to get them out of the the temporary rather than what God is trying to do eternally we do that same thing for ourselves we don't want to go through anything bad or difficult. And when we go through those things, we have a choice to make. We can let God work 
his amazing work, or we can become bitter and harsh and cold and blaming God. Oh, God's too good for that. Too good for that. This little maid, she's amazing to me. What a testimony. Verse 5, look at it if you would. Chapter 5, verse 5. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten, says, ten talents of silver and 6,000 pieces of gold and ten chains of raiment. Watch those figures there. Look at those items. We're going to come to them. He's, the king is doing everything he can to help this man. The king's been pretty oppressed with Naaman. And now Naaman is trying to help this man, this good man, this great man. He's making arrangements for him. And this, but here's the truth. It's not the king. It's the sovereign hand of God at work. God is working here. It never ceases to amaze me how our God works in, the, in our lives. Unusual ways. And again, there may be one lost soul here today. I'm not sure. You know. I don't. But you may be here today for God to open up your heart to the gospel. God is so good and so great and so loving that if you're here today, young person or adult, God is trying to reach out to you and bring faith to your heart to believe on his son, Jesus Christ. That's a good God. So Naaman here, he ends up going to meet God's man, the prophet, through the influence of this little maid. And we come to our next point, the, the man Naaman's three grave mistakes. He made some blunders here, even though he's a great man. I mean, I'm sure that in, in war, he made some pretty wise decisions. I'm sure in his position, his lofty position, he had the lives of other people as his responsibility. And he would make generally probably good choices because he was a successful man in his career. But he made some blunders in this situation. But you know what? God, God loved him anyway. God, God worked with him anyway. Could have been these blunders that showed him his need for God. Amen. Now, he was a wise man. And he listened to the little maid. But he was not wise. He was rather foolish in not doing everything she told him to do. Amen. He balked. He didn't totally trust what God was doing. Now, I can understand that about a lost Syrian man, especially in his position. But I just want to interject to the rest of us. We need to not balk at what our God is doing. We must trust him. We must trust his word. We must trust the instruction of his word given to us in so many different ways as we go through so many different trials. Christian, I want to say to you this morning that you and I are the little maids in people's lives. And we don't even recognize it so often. People are watching our lives. We profess to know God and they're going to, they're going to check it out, make sure we, we are what we say we are. Amen. So let's make sure we're good representatives of Jesus Christ. Now, as representatives, also as today, we don't only recognize, listen, church member, we don't only represent Jesus Christ, the gospel, heaven, all that stuff. We represent this local body. And that's why it's so important for us to conduct ourselves in a proper manner. Again, people watch us. 
Now listen, there's some young people here today. I say something like that, and I, I can tell you, just, you, you blow me off. No, no, no. Listen, you're a born-again Christian. You represent Jesus Christ wherever you go, with whom you talk, and how you live your life. So important. You could be as this little maid and be very productive for God. Powerful. Use of God in a mighty way, or you can choose to do what you want to do. And miss the opportunities afforded you to make a mark on this world for Christ. Amen. Let's watch how we conduct our business. My wife told me the other day, normally don't ask her. She asked me to pray for her as she sometimes oversees the ladies' meetings. But last week she had a ladies' meeting. Since she shared with me her, her message, and I told her as she went out the door, I'm praying for you, preach good. That's what I said. And she delivered a message to the lady about words. And I've heard a few ladies comment about that thought. Words. Our words matter. Our actions matter. Our appearance matters. Our allegiances and attitudes and associations, they all matter. How? For God's purposes. God's purposes. Now, for Jesus' sake, in the testimony of the gospel, I just want to interject this and we'll move on. Be the testimony God intends you to be. You see, I said earlier, God has placed you where you're at as a place of employment or in your neighborhood or in your sphere of influence. What kind of a testimony are you, by the way, for Jesus Christ? Moving on, one of the first mistakes Naaman made, we're going to talk about his mistakes. One of the first mistakes he made was this. He thought he could produce a cure for himself. Look at verse 5 again. He thought he could buy a cure. And the king said, Go to now, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him. Who, who departed? Naaman departed. And he took with him ten talents of silver, three thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. Now the king, king gave him a letter. Well, if I had a letter from, from somebody of great authority, it makes a difference. But then what I do with it, it's up to me. So he's got the letter. There's all good. He's had a, his journey's going to be good. He's going to be protected. He's going to be taken to the person who can do something for him. But he brings what he thinks will seal the deal. He thought he was going to buy it. He's going to purchase his healing. Pay for the services of this man of God. Mistake. <coughs> he took some money. No, I don't know really. I, we could look it up, but one talent of silver, I know this, it required two bags, according to verse 23, to carry it. <laughs> so, had to be of substance. He also took 6,000 shekels of gold. And it also said he took 10 sets of clothing. That's, that's quite a dowry, if you would, so to speak. What a gift. But all his money, all his regard, couldn't cure him of his leprosy. We've seen that over and over again. You know, people have money. You can have all the money in the world, but you don't have God's help, you're in trouble. But Stephen Jobs, he had all the money, influence of the world. He died. Stephen Hawkins, they say, the well, most brilliant mind of mankind didn't do him any good. All the acclaim, all the accolades, 
all the money. You know, we're praying for our son to get a kidney, and there's a lot of people looking for a kidney or some other organ. And there's people that have money. Money's no guarantee they're going to get what they need. A lot of people get these things from third world countries. But they get them and they're diseased or they're not handled properly. Again, listen, you're here today and maybe you're not saved. And you think, well, I'm doing pretty good. I've got a big house. I've got a nice car. I've got a great future ahead of me. You, you better have God. You better have God on your side because you ain't going to make it on your own. None of us do. None of us will. Even the saints of God here, if you think I'm going I'm to, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Only by God's help. God's working in your life. So here's a man that wanted a cure, but he thought he could buy it for himself. But so many make that mistake, spiritually speaking. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver or gold from your vain conversations received by the tradition uh, from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. I don't know that there's somebody here thinking, you're some way you're going to earn your salvation. You're going to work it up. No, you won't. It's impossible you cannot buy forgiveness of sins with self-labor, religious working, giving of alms, being extra good or nice or charitable or uh, benevolent or Republican or Democrat, by the way. No, no, no. You need the grace of God and the blood of Christ. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. Not us. Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Soul salvation is gained only as a gift from God. The greatest gift ever given was Jesus Christ. I hope you know Christ. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For by grace are you saved, through faith in that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You get it? It's God's gift. Not by works of righteousness, lest any man should boast. Well, there's another mistake uh, Naaman made. He went to the wrong person in the wrong place for help. Hmm. Look at verse 6. He brought the letter of the king of Israel, saying, Now, when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman, my servant, to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. So Naaman believed that. king thought it. And so he sends him to the wrong place and the wrong person. You see, first of all, the king, he went to the king first with his need. Naaman did. Well, I tell you what, I'll be all right as long as the king gives me a letter. As long as he gives me passage, I'm going to make this thing. He should have went to Elisha first. Amen. Very important. Too many people today, still today, are going to the wrong person. And they're knocking on the wrong door. Boy, I'll tell you what. If I could just get here, see this one, meet this one, boy, I'll be, I'll be set. No, it's the wrong person and the wrong door. 
So many people are going to the wrong door for salvation today. Maybe someone's here today. I don't know. I have no idea why the Lord gave me these thoughts. But somebody here may need the Lord today at salvation. So many people go to the confessional door of a priest. I used to as a kid. Oh yeah. Stand outside that door. Wait for the little light to go on. Then I know I could get in that door and close the door. Kneel on the kneeler. And then the little light would go off. And everybody in the... You know, they would know. Oh, excuse me, it went on to tell them that I was in there doing business with the priest who was doing the work of God. How many ex-Catholics in here? Okay. You know what I'm talking about. People go to the confessional door to a priest. Wrong door. Wrong person. Jewish rabbi, a Muslim iman, a religious preacher of some sort, somebody's father confessor. No, we go to Jesus. My daughter-in-law was talking to someone the other day at the hospital and they were talking to her about that they were lifting up prayers to Mary and, and, and she said to her, she said, we don't need Mary, we need to go to the Lord himself. I thought that's a good witness. So many people think they got to go to this wrong door, wrong person. So many people go to these spiritualists today. It's a big thing, especially among the young people today. Uh, psychics, tarot card readers, palm readers, seances, tea tea rooms, all this stuff that goes along with that. Wrong door. Wrong person. They go to the door of false cults. The Mormons, the Moonies, the JWs, the Christian Science, Scientology. Wrong door. Wrong person. Jesus Christ and Jesus only. Here's one that sometimes people of our stripe or influence, make a mistake in. They go to the church of their denominational affiliation or their favorite guru, their cell group leader. No. Wrong door. Wrong person. We must send people to the right door. Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and he shall go in and out and find pasture. See, President, why are you so emphatic? We know this. I don't know if everybody knows it. I don't really know sometimes that some kids, young adults, raised through church, realize that. Because so many today are dropping their guard and thinking, I know what I believe, but these people might be okay too. No. Wrong door. Wrong person. Nobody can buy their salvation. Nobody can earn their salvation. Amen. Spiritual leprosy has to be dealt with with the proper person. The proper cure. Go to Luke chapter 7. We're moving along. We'll be done here soon. Luke chapter 7. In my class this morning, there was a young couple talking about chicken. Barbecue chicken. Want to know how late service is going to be today. And so I invited the whole class over there for chicken. Even though my wife made wonderful meatloaf, I'll take free chicken. So if you folks listen fast, we'll get over there for chicken. All right. I'll tell you who it is at the end of the service. So Luke chapter 7, verse 37. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, she, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet. And the Bible says, uh, behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears and had wiped them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointing him with the ointment. She'd gone to the right person. Now drop down to verse 48, 
for time. Verse 48. The Bible says, and he said unto her, watch this, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him, beginning to say within themselves, who is this that forsaketh sins also? And he saith to the woman, thy faith hath saved thee, go in peace. If you're here today and you're, you're wanting to be saved, make sure you go to the right door. Jesus is the door. Go to the right person, Jesus Christ himself. I'm so glad I got out of that foolish thinking and God sent me to the right door and the right person and it changed my life. It changed my life. And I know it changed my eternity. Amen. So today, go to the right place for help. Naaman went to the wrong place for help. He went to the king. Now, he did something else. He made wrong assumptions. He wanted the remedy of his healing in his own way of thinking. I still run into people that way today. Their, their salvation is their own way of thinking. It's outlined right here. Look at 2 Kings uh, chapter 5. Look at verse 10. Now stay with me. You can take your nap after you have your dinner uh, chap, uh, this morning. Uh, chapter 5, and look at verse 10. It says in this narrative, And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. He got the orders. Verse 11, But Naaman was wroth, and went away, and said, Behold, I thought. See, he not only went to the wrong person, the wrong door, and he tried to bring money to purchase it, but his remedy of healing, he thought, was in his own way of thinking. Well, I think, I feel, a lot of people get into those religious discussions. They mean absolutely nothing. Here the order was, you know, you go down to the Jordan River. This is your healing. The, 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 the prophet said, you're going to dip in that river seven times and you'll be clean. But he said, well, but I thought. I thought. He said, I thought he will surely come out to me. Here's the prophet of God's not even coming out. He's a band of, hey, doesn't he know who I am? I'm Naaman. I'm, I'm a man of regard. He's... He didn't come out to meet me. I think, he, I think, I think the pro prophet Elisha was a Baptist. I think he was one of those old stubborn, independent, fundamental Baptists just sitting in his house enjoying himself. <laughs> Some of you, I lost you there. Surely he'll come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover with leprosy. He thought he was dealing with some charismatic guy on TV. That stuff they do, but he's dealing with an independent Bible-believing guy. He just sat there. He's waiting for God to give him his next orders. Not Naaman to give him the orders. But Naaman, he had this idea. I thought, I think. He reacted in the wrong way. He, he thought he had the method. That's the way the majority of people are today. They think it's their way to get cleansed, their way to get saved. God's way is through repentance. People don't want that today. No way. I'm not repenting of anything. Because there isn't anything to repent of today. In our world today, there is no such thing as sin. You know, everybody does wrong. We're not perfect. We're all in the same boat. But I'm not a sinner. I don't need to do something like that. Jesus said, I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. What does that mean? Stop it. Stop your sinning. Start following God. Pretty much. Pretty much. 
2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, for not one that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Have you come to repentance? Maybe there's somebody here. You come to repentance. You admit you're a sinner. You admit you need God. You quit walking away from God. You walk with God. God's way is by asking, calling, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God's way is coming. Come unto me, all you that labor and every laden, and I will give you rest. God's way is welcoming. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come unto him and sup with him. And he will be. God knocks on our heart's door. Are you going to open it or are you going to stay outside? The way to God is through reaching out in faith. Jesus again said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be. And then uh, God's way is receiving, but as many as receive him, to them gave the power to become the sons of God. Then the man Naaman received a great and glorious miracle of healing. We see that he got healed. Look at verse 14 of our text. It says, Then he went down, dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. Imagine that. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, these are the most wonderful words. And he was clean. Now remember we started, and he was a leper. But this says, and he was clean. Because he did what was dictated to do from the man of God for cleansing. He received a healing. Naaman was great. He was respectable. People listened to him. He had enough sense about him to listen to the little witness, the maid. And it changed everything. Several things had to take place for it to take place. First of all, he had to humble himself. So that he went down. Boy, is there a need. We're so proud. Man in general is proud. Even saved man is proud. I, I still got the old man in me rise up. I'm proud. So are you. You want God to do anything for you, you got to lower yourself. Humble yourself. And then he used complete obedience. That's something people... Verse 10 says he told him to go down and dip seven times. And I'm at, at first, here, here's what he says. He says, are not Abana and Par, uh, Parfar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. In rage! <laughs> he thought he had the answer. He thought he was right. So why do I got to go to the Jordan River? It's dirty, it's mucky. We got better rivers than them. Verse 13 said, And the servants came near. Thank God for these servants, the little maid and the other servants. And spake unto him, saying, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great things, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. Boy, they, they were using logic. Imagine that. Logic. You would have done it. Just go do what he says. And I'm amazed he did. And you listen, one time, up. Two times, up. Three times, up. All the way. And he was clean. Matter of fact, clean as a little baby. Amazing. Now, in the way his thinking, I thought I could have went three times. That's enough. I could have went four times. That, that's good enough. You Baptists, you independent Baptists, you're so... Listen, we need to obey exactly what the Scripture says. And when we do, there's spiritual cleansing. I, I believe there's some people that have come close to salvation a few times, but they didn't go through that all the way. Are you sure that you've been saved? Do you know that you know that you've been saved? So, I, Well, I don't know. See, that's part of your problem. You can know. 
These things are written that you even know that you have eternal life. And that life is through Jesus Christ. Well, I thought if I got baptized as a kid, no, you thought you were wrong. Baptism won't save you. I thought if I joined the church, that would, I did that years ago. You, know, you thought wrong. Join, joining any church is not going to save you. I thought, I thought, I thought. No, just be obedient to what God's word says. Then there was a total cure. He is cured, amen. He is cured. Verse 14, I like that. He said, he came again likened unto the flesh of a little child. That kind of reminds me of born again. New life. Born again. Total cure. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Now, we'll conclude this. One more thing I want to talk to you in conclusion. Naaman, from that day on, was totally convinced that there was a God in heaven. He walked away different. He started believing in the God of this little maid. In the God of the prophet. He believed from that point on. And he began to give his testimony of how he was going to serve him. Now, here's our part. Once we get saved, it is our job, our business, our calling to tell as many people as we can that our God saved us. And you know he's got a name. His name is Jesus. We live in a world today that don't like that name. Broadcast that name. Publish that name. Don't be ashamed of that name. Tell people that Jesus Christ saved your soul. And you're going to run on a lot of people that they'll put you off. But every once in a while, there'll be somebody to say, tell me about it. Tell me about it. We assume nobody wants to hear it. That's not true. The gospel is still powerful. Jesus Christ is still the way. And this very day that Naaman gave his you know, his heart to this obedience is when he became a follower of Jehovah God. And I'll tell you what, a man like him and a man of his stature, it made a difference in that world of his. They looked at him differently, that's for sure. Here's what Naaman said, I know there is a God in heaven. That's pretty, pretty emphatic. I know that there's a God in heaven. Matthew 10, 32, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father was in heaven. The cleansing and conversion of this man, Naaman. Let's bow our heads for whatever head bowed. Do you know that you know that you know that you've been saved? Is your soul saved this morning? Do you know it? If you know it, then you ought to be declaring, there is a God in heaven. His name is Jesus Christ. You've been recently saved. You should be recently baptized. Come to the Lord and submit to believer's baptism and declare your faith to the world that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I encourage you, whether you be a young person or an adult, if you've been newly saved and not been scripturally baptized, you ought to submit yourself to that, declaring Jesus Christ. If you've been long time saved, let's remember, God's plugged you in wherever you're at for his purposes. His purposes. Listen, your testimony matters at work. Your testimony matters in your sphere of influence. How you conduct yourself. What's your attitude like? What's your associations? Don't say, I'll do as I please. No, do as the Lord pleases. It's important. Other people are watching you. 
Will they say, you know, I'd like to have that faith that she talks about, that he talks about. But if they've watched your life and they see a wrong message, it could cause eternal consequences for those people that know you. Christian, it's between you and the Lord, but what kind of witness are you today?